Happy Monday. Welcome to the Sneak Preview. I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Caleb Wizard. And today we're discussing two recent releases, Netflix's The Atom Project and Disney Plus's Turning Red. Two delightful films you can watch with the whole family. But first, let's see what happened last week in film. Last week in film. Two trailers to discuss. First up, the full trailer for Deep Water, the erotic thriller starring Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas that arrives on Hulu on March 18th. Uh, the first trailer was basically 30 seconds of uh, prolonged staring. So now we've actually got some story. And uh, yeah, you know what? This looks interesting. Adrian Lin's specialty is fucked up relationships. So this, uh, this ought to be pretty good. Yeah, this actually got me interested. Uh... I've seen the past few, or not Netflix, Hulu films and No Exit and um, Fresh, and they're actually doing, like, pretty good work in these, like, very small, contained horror-type films or thrillers for so many people. Um, but they've been doing kind of good work there, and this looks kind of more along those lines. And I'm down. And plus, hey, look, I'll say it. It's on a Armas and erotic thriller. Like, Yeah. Yeah. And personally, you know, I'm I'm intrigued to see yet another chapter in the ongoing Ben Affleck disaster because he keeps doing films that are reflecting significant chapters of his recent life, you know, with the way back, you know, with his alcoholism and now deep water kind of looking at the way he handles relationships. So, you know, we talked about it before we started recording, but I'm pretty sure Ben Affleck has given up on playing characters and is just is just playing Ben Affleck for the foreseeable future. Well, best part is him and uh, Damers had a little fling after they filmed this for a bit yeah. there, which I'm glad she got out of that because she could do so much better. Not saying I'm that better. I'm where I'm no, no way near in her league, but in Hollywood she could do better. Yeah, I mean, mentally, I don't think Affleck's in the best space right now to be, you know. Uh, J-Lo makes sense right now. I'll just say that. Um, but yeah, I've heard that this movie, like the the way it gets like really charged between the two kind of fucked up their relationship. That's what I heard. But, you know, maybe I'm wrong about the timing of that. But I guess we'll see. Maybe. And they easily could have been seeing each other while they were filming. Happens all the time. And these yeah. types of films anyway. Rarely does it ever work out. You know, it's not always Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson. Most of the time, it's, you know, Ben Affleck and J-Lo the first time. Well, it's like they forget that they're acting. I think sometimes emotions get mixed up with acting. That's what kind of blows my mind when it doesn't. Like, when you can see a, a, a relationship on screen that is so, like, powerful and really believable, and then off screen, like, they barely fucking talk. They're not even friends. So how, does, how do you do that? <laughs> Acting. But also, like, I mean, for example, look at uh, Leo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet. You know, Titanic, Revolutionary Road. Like, they have fucking passion on the screen. But in real life, they're like goofy best friends. <laughs> it's just, it, it astonishes me that people can, like, switch that shit off and on. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing skill to me. It's why I'm so obsessed with all this shit. 
Some people are just good at it. And if anything, yeah, it shows you that those are good actors, and that means Ben Affleck may not be the best actor if you can't yeah, turn you're gonna, him on. You're gonna pull your personal shit into every movie you do. That that's that's a problem. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, like you got to be able to do it both ways. You got to be able to turn it off and turn it on. If you can only turn it on, you're missing half the game. I think in this movie, he's going to complain about how his wife suffocates him. I would, you know what? I, I will take that action. Yeah. <laughs> There's going to be a moment where he's complaining about his first marriage, where he's, you know, being smothered and his kids drove him to drink. He's going to, there's going to be some shit like that. I guarantee you. Ah, <laughs> oh, you poor bastard. I had such high hopes for him in the early 2010s. I was like, he's back. This is a, he's a good director. He's a good filmmaker. And now it's like, oh, he's back to rock bottom. Yeah, yeah. We all thought like, oh, okay, cool. He's he's directing. He's found a snitch to do better for himself, and it all unraveled. You know what? I blame I I I mean I don't blame Jennifer Garner and his kids because I'm not a monster, but <laughs> I do blame Batman. I think if he had never done that, he he wouldn't have like it wouldn't have fallen. It wouldn't have unraveled for him. I think that that was a step backwards for him, and the fan backlash was too much, and he never got to really fully realized the character. I mean, he did it to redeem Daredevil and it was just as bad. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I, I get, you know, that kind of shit getting into your head and really kind of, you know, confusing you, making you think you're not as good as you might be. I get that. Yeah. Cause yeah, cause yeah, he has Batman movie taken from him when he had asked Matt Reeves to direct him. Reeves was like, yeah, I, I can't do that. Like I have to do it myself. I do love that, that he's like, well, yeah, but no, but yeah. <laughs> we can get you out of this, and then I have full creative control. <laughs> yes, but no. Oh, boy. You know what? I'm going to watch Deep Water, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for these things like an I Spy game. <laughs> be like, where is it? Where's the marital distress? It's, it's going to be one of the two things I feel like we're looking at i know the other thing i'll be looking at throughout all of that movie yeah well i hope it's good uh next up a movie i'm convinced is going to be one of the greatest films of all time the second trailer for the unbearable weight of massive talent hits theaters april 22nd <laughs> i mean this thing is tripling down on the amount of nicholas cage i ever thought possible to get out of a movie starring nicholas cage this thing is going to be a gem, a movie we're never going to stop talking about. Oh, they're going to have to try really hard after this. If it if it lives up to all this hype that they're building up with it, to have a movie that even remotely outcages the cage like this one's going to do. I, I'm calling it now. It's going to have a negative tomato score. I'm talking under 30%. Critics are going to be like, this is garbage. And then it's going to be an absolute fun fucking ride. I guarantee you. Like, oh, I just yeah. don't, I don't see this not being entertaining. <laughs> no, it looks like, I feel like this movie's coming out at the perfect time because they're, you know, he's had such a long storied career now. And, you know, he's been on, and he's on his comeback. They're like, it's coming out, like, to me, the right fucking time to come out with this. And based off some reactions I've seen, I've, you know, when I've 
other films I've seen, they play this trailer. Like, it sounds like an, the audience is on board with this idea. Like, it's usually a bunch of laughs when I'm watching a film. There is no other actor in history who could do a movie like this. Like, Nicolas Cage is in his own weird bubble that we've all just accepted for decades. And now he's, he's eating himself. And we're all on board. It's like it's so weird. Like you couldn't you couldn't make this guy up. Like no. you really couldn't. He's in a league of his own. He's fully aware of that, and he's having fun with it. You know, as he says in the trailer, he's Nick fucking Cage. Oh, the way he holds out the fuck, like he beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Um, Look, I, I had it on my top 10 when we did top 10 anticipated it's still there I, I cannot wait to see a film that just all in, all embraces the cage and has him co-starring alongside Pedro Pascal yeah who's become one of my favorite actors with you know the Mandalorian and Kingsman and fucking uh, uh, I'm leaving out something substantial I know I am I love the guy uh <laughs> He's done a lot. Wow. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna kill me once I realize what I'm I, I, fuck. What he played the villain in the second Wonder Woman film. He was one of the few parts I liked about that movie. I, I know that. I one second. This is gonna bother me. Uh, fucking Game of Thrones. That's what it was. Okay. I blocked out that entire this. show. I had to remember I had to, <laughs> I forgot. Look, man, you just have to block out that last season. You don't have to do it to the whole show. I can't help it because I know where it's going now. It's like if you know the road is leading to a fucking cliff, why would you keep driving on it? Because there's seven seasons of goodness. But it it's going nowhere. There's no point to it anymore. It's like just don't you, you can you can shun the eight season all you want. You don't have to do that. So there are good quality seasons that exist. I think I have to, and I'm gonna I'm going to. I've already done it. Like I said, I just completely forgot that's where I got introduced to Pedro Pascal. Like shit. Anyway, yeah, he's the man. Uh unbearable way to massive talent, April 22nd. And also, you know, how about that fucking title? What a ballsy title. The unbearable weight of massive talent talent yeah it's a mostly title <laughs> ah i love it okay uh spoiler alert uh we have no death to talk about this week so it's just good news <laughs> well not all good news there has been some delays but mostly good news um christopher abbott has been cast as the main villain in the craven the hunter movie he will be playing an obscure marvel villain called the foreigner uh, Abbott recently starred in Possessor, It Comes at Night, and the series Catch-22. And I guess I thought Alice, Alexandro Nivola was going to be the, the villain, but I guess he's just a villain because this guy is the villain. So the foreigner, pretty obscure Marvel villain. I've never heard of the guy, but, uh, you know, I I'd never heard of Riot before I saw Venom, and I was like, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, yeah bring it. I wonder what they're going to do with that title. I don't know if the title, the foreigner. I don't know if that is exactly problematic for people nowadays. I don't know what is and isn't anymore because everyone gets angry about something. I, th- um, I think it's just vague enough. Like, it's not like he's called, like, you know, the, I, I'm not going <laughs> to. 
I was going to pick a race, but that's probably not a smart idea. Insert so. racial, racial slur here. Yeah, I was going to be like, it's not like he's the... Nah, but then I thought, like, probably not the best thing to do. But I think... <laughs> I don't know. I This movie's shaping up to be very interesting. The cast is exciting. Uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson's apparently, you know, bulking up, dyed his hair black. He's cravening up. So, you know, this could be pretty cool. Uh, here's hoping. Yeah, we'll see. The only thing I'm still concerned about is uh, when are they going to start filming because it's slated for January. Yeah. I don't know. I'm still waiting on some something from Thor Love and Thunder. That's coming out in like three months. <laughs> it come, no? Doctor Strange right. is coming out. Like four months. I'm, I'm not good with ne- with numbers. Whatever July, whatever July is. There we go. We won't see shit until Doctor Strange is out. You know how I'm always been working. That's they're, right. They're really That's waiting right. until these films come out. That's right. So yeah, good point. I'm. Ex- I just. I. I want to see something. I'm looking. For, I. I want to see what Christian Bale's bad guy looks like. Well, you gotta hold on there, Bucko. Well, apparently. Uh, exciting Bucko, stuff. Bucko, All right. Um, Florence Pugh and Austin Butler have joined the cast of the upcoming Dune sequel. He will be playing Princess Irulan, Irulan, and Butler will be playing Fade Rautha. So whoever understands what that means, congratulations. Uh, I, know, I know that Austin Butler's character is the guy that Sting played in the 84 movie. So there you go. Yeah, uh, as a lot of people, as fans of this podcast now, I wasn't the hugest fan of the first one, so cool. Glad to see you know they're getting some talent still for these uh, for the sequel. Um, I know your dad's a big fan, Dan, so I'm sure he understands who these characters are better than us too. My dad has read all the books multiple times. He has tried to explain this hefty ass story to me. It is never taken, so you know he's in his own world with that. I liked the first movie. I didn't love it. I'm not you know super jazzed, but I will see part two. Uh, Harvey Goulian, who plays Guillermo on What We Do in the Shadows, has joined the cast of DC's upcoming Blue Beetle movie. The film is set for August 2023 and will be DC's first Latino superhero movie. Uh, Blue Beetle, a character I've, I'm not all that familiar with. I know he's a Latino character who gets like bitten by some alien bug or something like that, and he becomes the Blue Beetle. Or maybe it's a, a, some kind of suit. Like, I don't, I don't know. But <laughs> neat. I, I don't I I read that this was going to be an HBO Max release, but they had such faith in it they're going to put it in a theatrical release. So that that bodes well. Uh, yeah, Blue Beetle. Yeah, no, I, I like I like this guy. I'm glad to his character Guillermo cracks me up on what we do in the shadows. So I'm glad to see him get more stuff. I want to see him do more things. Makes me happy. He, yeah, he's a good guy. Good guy. Good actor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this was interesting. Film composer Michael Giacchino will be making his directorial debut with Marvel's upcoming Werewolf by Night Disney Plus special uh, starring Gael Garcia Bernal. So film composer is going to be directing this. He's the guy who just did the music for the Batman. And uh, now he's directing a they're not really calling it a movie, but they're also not calling it a series. It's kind of vague what exactly this is. It's a one off but- special. It's just like when they used to do holiday specials on TV. Yeah, I never watched holiday specials, so I don't know what to expect. 
Like, yeah, is this going to connect to the up. MCU in any way? Like, what what is this going to be? Yeah, but it's just one one episode. That's it. It's going to be probably like fifteen minutes, and that's it. Well, that's horseshit. I don't want a fifteen minute. No, anything. 50. no, 50. Oh, 50. Five zero. Okay, I'll take fifty. I just said fifteen. I'm like, well, what's the fucking point? Oh. I don't want a short remember, film. Remember the okay? Do you remember when Muppets did their fucking Halloween special last year? I didn't watch that. Do you remember when they did that though? Not actually, not really. No. I was going to say like that's the special. Like, it's just one quick little thing. Star Wars holiday special. Yeah, you know I didn't watch that shit. You're killing me, man. No, I refuse to apologize for not watching the Star Wars holiday special. Fuck you. <laughs> also, the project is apparently getting a title change, so it won't be called Werewolf by Night for much longer. Uh, don't know why. I don't know what they're calling me. That was weird. That 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 was weird to me. I get the special. Like I I I understand TV specials. Um, but when Good for they do- you, your medal's in the mail. What I I'm not looking at TV from a 1979 perspective. So. I don't know of TV specials. Clearly don't know your history. Uh, you history major. Yeah, um, I'm not majoring in like shitty TV history. It's not shitty TV. Specials were like a big thing. All the rage. All the rage. All the rage. Okay. Yeah. And now the streamers have figured out how to do this. Now they're doing it. Have they figured it out? Because I, I guarantee you I'm not the only one confused by this. No. Felt like you are. I doubt it. Werewolf by Night. Hope it works out. No, I, I don't know why they're changing the name. That part is weird because they've been naming everything after their comic books. So it's like, why, why are you changing the name? Yeah, I don't get it. Especially since they've been plugging this as Werewolf by Night for like a year and a half now. I don't know. Um, this was cool. Free Guy and Adam Project director Sean Levy has been tapped to direct Deadpool 3 for Marvel Studios. He and Ryan Reynolds are proving to be quite the team. There's no doubt in my mind that they've talked this through substantially, and uh, this is going to be really cool because Deadpool 3 is an MCU project. So this is going to be fucking awesome. I can't wait. Yeah, after seeing both those movies, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. He, he seems to really know how to get the most out of Ryan Reynolds and actually to me I'd argue he actually yeah, gets a little bit more range than some directors get with Ryan Reynolds as far as like and he's a free guy being able to tamper down his his more adult wit- wittiness down to a PG-13 and make it where kids can do it kids can enjoy it right and then we'll talk more about that in project but really showing some emotional traumatic range that we don't always get a lot because you know he's known to play the the smart ass all the time well, and I'm impressed to see, you know, Sean Levy kind of open the floodgates and let Brian Reynolds go fucking Deadpool crazy. Because uh, I know uh, Feige said he's not going to be uh, restricting this one. Like, this is going to be a full-blown Deadpool rated R movie. Like, he's not going to put any training wheels on this, uh, which is good and smart. So I hope Disney lets him follow through on that. Uh, well, I would hope if Feige announced it, then he talked it through with Disney. I feel like with the billions Feige has been single-handedly responsible for giving Disney with these films, they should just back the fuck off on whatever he wants to do. I mean, I, I feel like they do. I don't hear a lot of stories of them having a, them doing a Warner Brothers and stepping in constantly. They seem to back off pretty pretty well. 
True, but the second you start, you know, R-rated and Disney start clashing together, I feel like there's there's discussions being had. They've always been very, yeah, but, very reluctant to do that. Yeah, but again, if Feige announced it, I get I, I get the feeling he talked it through at Disney first before he announced it. Well, I hope so. I just don't want them to, to backpedal on that. Uh, I feel like once they backpedal on that, it all falls apart. Ryan Reynolds backs out, like, it just collapses. So hopefully that does not happen. Yeah. I want to see Deadpool interact with the MCU in a big way. Mm, I mean, I don't know why they would. It's only going to be this one movie anyway. I yeah. doubt there's really plans to keep Deadpool going for that long rate or probably this one movie. And that's it. And then he has to do PG-13 cameos and other stuff. Yeah. He'll pop in and like the inevitable X-Men movies and, you know, maybe they'll, He'll, maybe he'll be the new Stan Lee or something, just popping in and reminding people they're in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, finally, Warner Brothers has delayed a number of upcoming DC projects. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom will now come out in March 2023. The Flash will now come out June 2023. Black Adam is now coming out in October 2022. Weirdly, Shazam! Fury of the Gods has been moved up to December 12th, 2022. So DC is just apparently, or Warner Brothers has decided to just kind of reshape their whole schedule. I don't know what this is going to do with the Batgirl movie because, Bat, you know, Keaton's Batman was supposed to pop up in the Flash and then be in the Batgirl movie. So I'm wondering if they move the Flash, they got to move that too. Yeah, it's I don't understand why there's no reason given. Like you can't use pandemic excuses anymore. Things are staying open. We're, you know nationwide easing restrictions so that's not an issue and they were clearly almost done with these movies if they were literally releasing i remember going to see the batman they played that fucking dc trailer advertising all their films so they were adamant that like hey here's what we got in 2022 so it's like why did you move everything the sizzle reel is meaningless now um yeah it's like why would you do that why would you attach that like you Again, they fucking one verse, and then they find a way to take that excitement off song to fill with the fandom and be like, all right, they got their shit together. And then one verse then said, like, nope, we're going to fuck with your fucking yeah. uh, comfort you just got thinking we got this. That Batman wave of DC interest is going to peak, and now it's going to have nowhere to go because all these films got pushed. Like, I don't know how Warner Brothers consistently does the stupid thing when it comes to these movies. It's really it is, like, this is like, this is like strike 18. Yeah, it's amazing. It'd be like, I know like James Wan was the only one that said like, hey, I'm actually really happy because we need more time for the visual effects anyway. But he's yeah. the only one that came out kind of saying like, I need more time. And I, I get his movie because that was kind of the issue with the first one that took it so long was he really wanted to make sure the shit looked good because a lot of it's filmed under goddamn water. Um, yeah. I don't but, know. I've heard, I, I've heard they said that it was related to COVID-related pro- production delays involving post-production visual effects. But, I mean, Black Adam looked all right with what they had done already. And that seems like right, shit you can do from home. At this point, what COVID again? You, we all know how to work from home. Half your editors work from home. Put mountain mask, fucking vaccinate up. But again, I know LA County is like one of the few that's like really still like freaking out. Yeah. About that, like unlike the rest of the country. Yeah. 
So outside of DC, uh, Warner Brothers has also delayed uh, Wonka to December 2023 and The Meg 2, The Trench, to August 2023. And I remember there was an Aquaman spinoff called The Trench that was supposed to happen. So I wonder if they've just gone ahead and folded that into a Meg sequel. That's what it's starting to look like. I know Marvel is one that says it's not happening anymore. Yeah. I mean, I don't know who the hell wanted that. Like the freaky weird crab monsters from the trench. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see what happened to them. I don't know. Uh, I can picture the Wonka trailer right now. There's going to be some voiceover of like, I see greatness in you, boy, or something shit like that. There's going to be a close up of the hat and some whimsical music. And I get, I guarantee you, a like dramatic version of pure imagination. Oh, God, one of those slow down songs. Yep. yep. I, I'm calling that shit right now. I, I could care so much less <laughs> about a movie with this Wonka film. It's like, I don't, I don't need to know his backstory. I, I don't look, Timmy Chalamet is not on like a Ezra Miller level with me, but I also don't find the most interesting actor right now just because he just keeps playing like very moody, um, brooding teenage people. I'm like, can you can, can you give me more there, bud? Can you give me more, Chalamet? You should watch. Did you did you watch Don't Look Up? I haven't seen that yet. He plays kind of a obnoxious, kind of douchey teenager in that. So a little bit outside the box. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if it's just like getting older or what, but like it seems like some of these newer, like younger actors get famous less off their acting skills and their personas that they just keep playing. It's not just you. I've noticed that. Uh, Want to hear a little fun fact that's probably going to piss you off? Oh, God, what? We've apparently been mispronouncing Timothy Chalamet's name. Uh, the apparent correct, correct pronunciation of it is Timothy Chalamet. I'm not kidding. I read an article about like famous actors whose names are often mispronounced, and that was that was one of them. I'm so sorry, Timothy. Chalamet. Timothy. His name rhymes. Oh my god! <laughs> I, yeah, I knew this would be the reaction because that's exactly the reaction I had when I read this. Oh my god! <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Timmy. Okay. Yeah, Timmy. Just... Tim A. <laughs> Tim A. Chalamet. Oh my god. Apparently I also found say, out. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I'll say we also say Rihanna's name wrong. It's Rihanna. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. Appar- apparently, uh Jake and Maggie Gyllenhaal, their name is pronounced like Gilen Hayal or some crazy Swedish th- pronunciation that we've all just ignored. <laughs> yeah, because that's out that look, I'm saying that's someone who has like a, a French last name, for those who don't know, but even I can sit there and be like. No, that's stupid. Like, <laughs> even my I pronunciation s- isn't bad. Like, it's spelled L E G R. It looks like Legger, and all it is is Leger. Dude, I, so, I I am sitting at the top of Mount Unpronounceable last name. <laughs> I, my entire life, everyone I've ever met has bungled the fuck out of my name, and even I'm like, I'm not going to take the time to learn how to pronounce Jill and Hall correctly. I just, yeah, I don't care. And I know everyone I've ever met has said, 
I'm not going to bother learning how to, how to say Connor's last name. I'm just going to call him Connor. No. I, I get it. And I get it. I do not hold any ill will. I understand. I probably do it to you too. If I don't know how to say your name. What sucks to me is being in the military. That's what I'm called by. It's my yeah. last name. So it is a lot of times me being like, it's, it's, so it's a judgment call, right? If it's someone I work with, I know I'm going to see all the time. And yes. I'm like, Hey, it's, it's Leger. And usually it's always a look of like, what? Fancy now, I'm like, oh my god, not really. I wasn't born in France. I was born in East Goddamn Texas. <laughs> like, um, so if it's someone, yeah, but if it's like any time I'm doing like any of the mini Navy mandate relationship we have to do, and it's me dealing with a higher up like this one only time, call me what the fuck you want. I don't care. I'm gonna see you this one time, and then I've never seen you again. I've had. I change it up sometimes. Like I've had people ask me like, where's that from? And sometimes I'll be like, I'll be honest and be like, oh, it's Spanish. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, it's Greek. Oh, it's Russian. Oh, it's Belgian. Oh, it's Bulgarian. I'll just fucking go all over the- I wouldn't say Russian at this moment in time. Well, I'm not talking like last week. I'm talking years ago. But I will, you know, just throw out a random culture and make up a conversation. I've done that for kicks. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it's fun. I've, I've always told people it's French, and I think some people legit think like France, and I let that sink in for a bit, see what they do, and then I'll be like, no, I was born in East Texas, Beaumont, Texas. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly just at this point, sometimes I'll say, like, I don't know, I haven't looked into it or something, just so I don't have to have a conversation with yeah. whoever it is because most of the time it's like at at the airport or the dmv or like some issue some situation where somebody needs to look at my id and i'm like i just don't want to talk to talk to people right they make a joke you're like oh god yeah i'm not oh, looking wow. forward to <laughs> what i'm not looking forward to is if for whatever reason i somehow actually if for what you know if i ever end up in a country like france one day like I really hope my American seeps through in this case because I don't want a bunch of French people seeing my last name and being like, ooh, je ne sais quoi. And I'm going to be like, I don't know what the fuck you just said, man. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I, I get it. You're looking at my last name, but I'm not, I'm not from here. <laughs> I've wanted to, like, I've wanted to be, you know, I've written some books. I wanted those to take off and, like, be very be a very popular author specifically so like everyone knows how to say my fucking name like so that's just that part of that like section of my life is closed off forever everyone just knows how to say it because everyone likes my work that's the only way that or i become like fucking president it's the only way (laughs) well apparently based off this list of actors last names for saying wrong it doesn't truly go away. They just have to accept it. <laughs> that's that's a good point. Shit. <laughs> well, whatever. It's you know, it's my cross to bear. And I always sympathize with somebody who's also got a like a fucked up crazy ass name. Tend to gravitate towards those people. It's like we have our own special club. Yeah, dude. Like so, you know, I'm an instructor now, and I always like when I'm saying someone's last name, I'm always like, is that how you say it? Like if it's a name that is hard to pronounce because I tell them, like, look, my last name's hard. Like, it doesn't sound the way it looks. So, like, please tell me if I'm fucking up your last name. I can say that because I teach in the Navy, which is great. I found out a few years ago, I've been mispronouncing my last name my whole life. I've been saying it the white way, 
like the correct pronunciation is Isagire. But I just, I've been saying it the white way for so long that that doesn't sound right to me. So I can't just start saying my name differently 27 years into my life. I just can't do that. I'm sure you have like a whole crisis about it. I've been having a crisis about it. I'm sure there was like a really like French way to say my last name and I don't care. I just say it. I'm just going to say the Texan way because apparently that's its own goddamn country. If you ever become like a painter or something, you got to just throw accent marks through your entire first and last name. And that'll be your like painter artist name. (laughs) Jesus. Be like, Caleb Lage, there. That's your New York Met name. Anytime I'm out in public, I have like this just the most arrogant like attitude, and even my voice just reeks of arrogance. You have like a person, you have a guy you hire just to like carry apples for you, but you don't even eat them. You just have him cut them up in front of you, and then you just smell them real hard and then throw them away. I don't know why that popped into my head as like a, something an artist would do, but it makes sense. Anyway, Wonka also got delayed. I believe that's where all this started. Yes, yes the movie I didn't really care about, and I still don't care about. And I can't believe they're making a sequel to The Meg. I thought The Meg was terrible. It was uh, it was like Jaws, but not as good. Even yeah. even even Statham's like express how he didn't like The Meg. It wasn't what he originally signed off for. He was thinking it was going to be this R-rated fucking shark movie, and he got neutered by the time they got to filming it. Is he in part two? Yeah, he's in part two. Then he can shut so the I don't, know. I don't know if he just wants the money or the script's better. I don't know. He he did ask to have more creative control of the sequel, so I think he's trying to ensure it's an R-rated affair. They're going to chop that shit up as soon as he leaves the editing room. Now that he's gone. Yeah. Now here's the real movie. They like can his version and they pull out the real one they've been making this whole time. <laughs> oh. Um, so before <laughs> that was fun. Before we get into our two movies, uh, as always, we got a spotlight shutter. So Caleb, why don't you tell us about this week's shutter original, The Seed? Well, it was a lot better than what I sat through last week. Um, it wasn't, it didn't feel like an amateur film, which now that I know some background on that film explains why it was the way it was. Um, no, this one was, I, I liked it. It's, uh, so I've noticed this trend of kind of recently of alien films being weird and I'm kind of on board with it. Um, it's about these influencers was very three annoying human beings. Um, or two, and then I guess they're camera lay that they abuse the living shit out of verbally at any chance they get. Um, going to one of their dad's house to for the weekend to, you know, do their influence fucking whatever for a comet shower coming up. And then <clears throat> an alien crashes into the pool and starts wreaking havoc. It uh, has like this one mind control stuff. It has sex with them in a very strange way that for those of you who are familiar with the movie society in um, a little end scene called 
known as the shunting. Um, look that up if you dare later. Um, it's a little bit of that and just a whole lot of trippy imagery. It's a, it fucking so the movie starts out normal enough, but the moment the alien lands, the weird seeps through, and that's why I say like this and Fred Berry seem to be starting a trend of like how can we fucking mind fuck people with alien films? And I kind of get it. I get the idea behind that because think about it, like we, we really, if this were to happen, right? We don't know alien technology and all that stuff. So as humans, would it be something we could even process? Um, in both these cases, especially this one, the whole goal of the aliens to impregnate these people to take over Earth. So of, of course, it's also a lot of weird human being pregnant with baby stuff involved. Um, Overall, I really, really enjoyed it. I had a, it, it had some good comedic moments. It's, it gets gory. It just, it's, it's one of those that like it throws everything out there and it goes for it. And I really walked away mostly happy. Um, I would give it an eight out of ten. Nice. That's seven whole points up from last week. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's nice when I watch a film where they're actually trying to make a film and not some kind of statement. <laughs> I know, it's so rare these days. Everybody has to have their moment. Like, just shut the fuck up. Let, let entertain somebody for once. Anyway. Yeah. And if you are going to make your student, may, you know, don't make it look like a student film or worse. And also come with a better title than the scary of 61st. Yeah, it's fucking horrible. <laughs> Makes no I, sense. Yeah. If this was like 2004 and I was a blockbuster and I wanted to rent a horror movie, I would skip right over that one based on the title alone. Yeah. That would have actually skipped over that and grabbed the seed because the seed would have been that film with one of those crazy ass covers to hook you in. And you're like, okay, then what's this? And then you're just not prepared for what the fucking onslaught of sensory images and overload they throw at you is. Apparently not. Oh, well, I'm glad you, you are able to kind of show us what's going on over at Shudder. Because uh, God knows if I was the one watching these movies, I would have fuck all to say. I know. I know. Hey, it's not like I'm missing out on a lot of masterpieces here from what's been like two decent ones that you've brought up. So I think we're doing okay. So you say. Speaking I'm of so decent. Looking, hmm? So looking forward to the Spider Night two weeks from now. Yeah, you're going to have to remind me to watch that one. Um, the Adam Project, Netflix, time travel, Ryan Reynolds doing his same old shtick that we all love. Uh, he's good at it. He's good. He is good at playing kind of like the dopey genius. <laughs> it's, it's weird. Um, this is a film about a guy who goes back in time to 2022, encounters his younger self, and recruits him to help him destroy time travel to save his wife. Okay, I'm in. Uh, Netflix is really starting to, you know, realize that they can release quality stuff the entire year and people will watch it, which yeah, is an interesting so, new approach. Right, and it's funny because it looks like it's working because I noticed that when I was getting ready to play the, their stupid fucking top 10 they have, by the time I remember watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre last week, it was at like, or back in February, that was at like three so that was high up there. This one, when I went to go watch it, literally today, 
on we record on Saturday, so I was watching it today on Saturday. It was already at number one, so apparently it's working for them. Um, I have and I, I have noticed that like they haven't talked about the quantity over quality thing like they did last year because they were proud of that like, oh, we're going to get all these films. We're, this is the number we want to meet. They haven't really talked about that this year. And then seeing this and the trailers makes me see like, yeah, they finally kind of realized maybe, yeah, we can still come out with a lot of stuff, but people aren't going to want to watch if it's all just shit. That's a terrible business model. Like just launch enough, you know, throw enough shit at the wall, hope some of it sticks. It's a terrible business model. No wonder, like, like, we got so burned out last year from watching all these terrible fucking movies from Netflix. <laughs> yeah, it's like, dude, like, do do your model like Hulu. Like, Hulu does not do a lot of films, but so far I have not been angry with what I've seen, especially now that they're, I guess they made their deal at 20th Century to release a lot of that stuff on there. Um, no. Well, Netflix can, you know, I, what they've been doing with TV, you know, just green light like a million shows a week. Go ahead. Keep doing that shit. But with film, you know, be a little bit more selective. I like that. Yeah. Like I said, you, you, so if you want to try to do like a film every week, you know what I mean? Like one new film a week, like sure essentially does when they require stuff. They just do every Thursday. That's fine. But the way they were doing it last year was like, look, Netflix, like you need to prioritize quality over quantity it's like well yeah not everything you're gonna do is gonna be great but at least put a, a bit more a bit put forth a bit more effort and based off this movie and the trailer for the bubble yeah, it I looks know. like that's what they're doing because i'm actually i'm seeing that trailer and going like this looks really funny i think what's helping is that they're getting quality fucking filmmakers mixed with actual like legit talent and getting it onto their service. I think that's the biggest thing we're seeing right now. And the Adam project was a, uh, a nice surprise. Um, I was reading into it. This film got greenlit in 2012. Like this has been a long time coming. And Tom Cruise was attached to star for the longest time. So Ooh. this was supposed to be a very serious sci-fi thriller. But when Ryan Reynolds and Sean Levy came on, they turned it into a comedy. Which was well, the, yeah, well, the right way to go. It felt very Amlin. That's why I know when I was watching, I was like, this feels very Amlin entertainment. Like, this is what would come out in that kind of period of films in the 80s, like the Goonies and Poltergeist and <laughs> E.T. and stuff. This is the exact same plot as E.T. if E.T. was, you know, just a guy. <laughs> it's kind of the same story. Yeah. Which I, I, I know for some people, like, they're kind of, some people are getting just sick and tired of the 80s nostalgia that latched on after Stranger Things came out and made it such like a big thing. Like, yeah, I don't blame Stranger Things. I just blame the fact that every fucking person after that was like, I'm going to do it too. And I was like, all right. like <laughs> Stranger Things knew how to do it well, and I'm very excited for its new season. But like, we don't all need to do it. Um, but in this case, like, it worked for me. Because one thing I've always liked, and again, the reason I said it felt very Amelie entertained me, what I always liked about those films and what makes me Enjoy and, and look, I was born 92, and even then, I still love going back to those those movies. And with this one, is that they take these really outlandish, big concept ideals, but it's all wrapped in very human heart, human center. And that's what I've always enjoyed is that, like, yeah, this whole film is about time travel and all this crazy stuff going on, but the very center of it is the relationship between a boy and his father. Yeah, this is essentially a film about, you know, grief and learning how to move on. And I like that. It's, 
time travel is just a way to get us there. Uh, mm-hmm. And I just love seeing Ryan Reynolds and Mark Ruffalo play off each other like that. That was my favorite thing about the movie. Their their chemistry was so good. And did, I thought the kid, I heard this was his first movie. He was fucking holding his own against Reynolds. I was like, I don't know if it's scripted or you're doing on spot, but you are doing a great fucking job, kid. Yeah, I was impressed with that. Um, I thought Catherine Keener killed it as the villain. Uh, I wish we got a little bit more development on her. Like she was kind of vague, but Catherine Keener is such a great actress that it kind of overshadowed that. Mm. Um, Jennifer Garner was great. I wanted way more Zoe Saldana. I was actually kind of surprised that she was barely in it. Yeah, I thought she was going to join them on the adventure. Yeah, that would have um, made a lot more sense. Yeah, but since she sacrificed herself, which I guess was more as a way to really emphasize like his future when they had that big moment. And he's like, you want to know what your future holds? And he just tells him, like, you fucking go, you spiral, dude. Like, mm-hmm. You go to jail for something, and now, like, they never tell you what he went to jail for. Just know that you did something bad enough to send your ass to jail. You chose the Air Force. Like, shit. That's right. We didn't find out what that was. Hmm. I wonder what it was. Maybe there's some hints in the movie. My favorite part was probably when Ryan Reynolds confronted the bullies and tells the kid. Held the kid up against the wall, said he would like t- remove his bones from his body, and then he whispered to him, "Be the change you want to see in the world." <laughs> and, and threw him off. I love the random, like intense hatred he had for Chuck more than the kid. <laughs> like, he said, "I will, sh- I will, like rip your bones off and shove them down Chuck's face or something like that." And then Chuck's something like, to do with something to do with Chuck's feet. Like, I will, I will beat you to death with Chuck's feet or something, something like that. Yeah, well, I remember he says something, then Chuck's like, wait, what? He goes, shut up, Chuck. I'm going to take his feet and shove them down your throat. <laughs> or something like that. Uh, yeah, that that was that was hilarious. Um, yeah, Ryan Reynolds is, he's been playing Van Wilder his entire career, but you know what? That's fine, because he's a likable, hilarious dude, and he picks good scripts. So, I mean, that's all yeah, I care like, about. Like I said, he, he, I remember thinking, like, when I but free guy, I remember thinking, like, am I really, do I really want to watch this stick again? And then I saw him, and I was like, God damn it, it works too well. He's too good at it. <laughs> it's, it's just, um, even like when they first introduce him, and um, and when he's in the house with the kid, I was dying. When he had that moment, where he's like losing it on the kid, and the dog keeps barking, and he's like, Logan, shut up. I loved when um, the kid says something about like, I'm going to call the cops and tell him you touched me. And he's like, that's where you go. Jesus, you're dark. (laughs) (laughs) I like, I like when uh, the kids like essentially asking him if he gets laid. (laughs) You know about time travel and I've opened up the whole cosmic universe to you. And the first thing you ask is, do we get laid? (laughs) I, I love that. Uh, Reynolds kept busting Ruffalo's chops whenever he'd bring up theoretical math and he'd be like, really theoretical? Like I'm standing in front of you right now. (laughs) We need to call it theoretical. He's like, all right, fine. (laughs) He's like, Hey, take your son to work. It only took you 44 years. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, those digs were great. (laughs) Yeah. 
God, yeah, Ryan Reynolds. And to his credit, like, because we don't really see this this part of him a lot, but he aced it in the in the traumatic department in this movie. Like when he had that moment in the motel, and kind of goes off on Ruffalo, and you can kind of tell like he, and like he said, he he turned his his misery into hate. Yeah, I get it, man. Uh, I loved at the end when they got to reconcile and Ruffalo just hugged his kids and Ryan Reynolds started to cry and they just, ah, that, that got to me. I'm not going to lie. I got me, uh, especially because I, I, it was like that Goodwill hunting scene where he's yeah. like, he just kept not saying, yeah, he kept saying Matt Damon, it's not your fault. He kept doing that. And he's like, I heard you. No, you didn't hear me. I love you. And I'm like, Oh God damn it. Uh, yep. Oh, and the catch. Um, I do love some some nice science jargon where they just throw quantum onto shit and expect us to just kind of go with it. I, I love yeah. the, the commitment to that in a movie, and this movie did that well. Yeah. No, this movie, it like I said, it was a it was a really fun movie. It really took me back to like the, the 80s uh Amlin entertainment type of stuff where it's like this really outlandish concept, but yeah. makes it very, you know, human center, and it's just it's fun. It's funny. You like the characters enough. And I, I had a good time like the whole way through with this movie. The whole time I also just kept thinking Deadpool's married to Gamora and his parents are the Hulk and Elektra. <laughs> I, think I, think someone... of, I think of actors in terms of the superhero roles they played now. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I think I saw someone be like, hey, look, Mark Ruffalo and Jennifer Garner are on screen again after... Because I guess they did 13 going on 30 together like years ago. And yeah. I was like, huh, I forgot about that. Um, I did like uh thing is more like I guess more traumatic because it's not necessarily funny. Um was when she was at the bar. Oh, and yeah. has this moment where he's like, No, he he loves you and he he wishes he could take back everything he's done to you. God damn, it's a movie that makes you want to hug your mom. Yeah, I was like, oh my god! And then yeah, when they when they kind of revealed a Ruffalo, like you you die like without saying it, you just kind of clicks like, oh shit, that's why you're here. And he has you can see it on his face in the when he's in the kitchen the next day. It's like I don't know how I could grapple with that, like knowing that at some point your future self is here because you die, you're like you're no longer there. Like I, well, I, I thought, I, 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 yeah, man. I, I thought that um, by changing this, you know, by destroying time travel, they were somehow going to save Ruffalo. But, you know, his death had nothing to do with Catherine Keener. It was an accident. And I, I think it made it made more sense to not, you know, mulligan him, him back to life. And yeah. Actually, you know, attempt to move on. It was a good message. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah it's like emphasizing that grief message. And that to me will just change that. You would have like completely undermined the entire theme of the movie by yeah. doing that. Um, can I go back to funny? I did. It's it's you know. Look, I have no issues laughing at a good poop or fart joke. I did die when he kept coughing at the beginning and farting. <laughs> I was like, what the <laughs> hell? Is- <laughs> what? And even I was like, every time I cough, I fart. <laughs> it yeah, it's stupid, but it's funny. Yeah. Can't help it. Kids can already touch his muscle. Don't do it. Don't you dare. <laughs> I like the the not lightsaber. Yeah. 
I I love the Deadpool fucking reference when he when the kids stuck the landing and looks at Brian and looks at the face and goes superior landing. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, you found a way to get it. Did. I was like, please tell me that wasn't scripted. And I was a kid actually doing that. I hope it was, but at the very least, Reynolds probably pulled him aside and said, "Hey, I got something funny for you to say before, like when you land, <laughs> or something like that." But yeah, that was totally a yeah. I love that shit. <laughs> yeah, solid movie. Eight out of ten for me. Um, very good effort from Netflix. I hope they keep it up. Yeah, eight out of ten. I hope this is a this is what we get. Like I said, the next one is the. I think the next one I'm looking forward to from is the bubble. And that looks hilarious. So let's hope that this is uh these these movies are what we're finally seeing them do instead of what we got last year. Because dear God, I can't do it again. No, I, I refuse. I will not do it again. I will cut Netflix out of this show before I watch their constant stream of bullshit again. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, like I said, if Adam Project and Chainsaw are getting the numbers that they like that that shows like yeah make more quality sh- shit like this mm-hmm. um our other film of the night or the day depending on when you're listening to this is disney plus's turning red the latest pixar film i believe the 25th pixar film ever made uh you'll have to check my numbers but uh, Honestly, i don't pay attention to how many they put out i just watch them i meant you as in the audience not not you i know you're not gonna go no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not looking it up either. Well, I just did Coco on Oscar Sunday, and we did a Pixar character Hall of Fame thing. And I remember him. I remember Austin saying Luca was the 24th. So, you know, by that logic, turning red's the 25th. So there you go. Anyway, um, yet another Pixar movie not released in theaters because. I don't know why. Um, someone really pissed Disney off over at Pixar. <laughs> I guess Disney seems to have no faith theatrically in Pixar for the past three movies. Yeah, they put them on timeout for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, Soul, I understood. It was the middle of a pandemic. Luca, okay. Still, things were still, you know, not great. Turning Red, though, is, is spiteful. <laughs> like, yeah, this- there was opportunity. Nothing came out this weekend. This would have been it. Well, it would have gone up against Batman, but I think, you know, you can't take your kids to see that nightmare. You can take your kids to see the Panda movie. I mean, unless you want to psychologically fuck your kids up. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, can't imagine. I mean, five minutes into the movie, you've got Riddler beating a guy to death and screaming from the shadows. Yeah, not quite the message you want to get. It's not Jim Carrey anymore, kids. Can you imagine if, like, you take your kid to see that, that thing happens, and you just look in, dead in your kid's eye and go, that's what happens if you ever misbehave. And then you just go back to the movie. Fuck. <laughs> that kid's going to think the Riddler lives in his closet. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Jesus. You should do that with like Alien or something. Like show the kid like just the open, like just the, the chest burster scene of Alien and just tell him this is what happens when you drink soda or something like that. And then take a soda from my Dr. Pepper to freak him out. You, if you drink soda before you turn 18, this is what happens. <laughs> <laughs> you would fuck that kid up so hard. You know what? I am going to be officially an uncle in May. 
So I have a nephew that I can destroy in that regard. I'm just picturing this kid at like lunch at in school and like their friend like pulls out a Coke, starts to drink it. And he just goes like, no, <laughs> <laughs> like just knocks it out of their hand. Are you insane? <laughs> what happened? And the next thing I'm going to call for my sister. What did you tell him this time? <laughs> I was like, oh, Next thing you know, they won't go camping because they think Jason's going to get them. <laughs> you go out there, all right? Listen to your uncle now. If you go out there, there's going to be a guy in a hockey mask and machete. He will murder you and your whole family. He'll make, he'll make you watch the murder of his, his family, and then he'll kill you. <laughs> I don't want to go trick-or-treating. The guy in the white mask is going to hurt me. <laughs> you could really fuck up this kid's childhood. Just a lot of angry calls from my sister. What did you do this time? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I wish I had siblings. I I don't know if I'd be. I don't know if I'd act on it, but I would certainly want to. <laughs> That's great. Very tempting. Yeah. <laughs> Turning red. Um, it's a film about. Uh, <coughs> family and about you know uh maturing growing up and coming to terms with the fact that you know your life is yours and not your parents to dictate and you know that's a it's a rough message to get especially in relationships when you have to think about that you know when you have controlling parents who are dominating your life and you have to kind of break free of that it's not easy and uh the way that may figures it out is uh she turns into a big panda Big red panda. And then when I saw this trailer, I was like, this is a stupid concept. <laughs> but the movie is very cute and it, own, it owns that concept and it, it, it delivers. It works. It's, a, it's Pixar. They know what they're fucking doing. They have for 30 years. Uh, so, yeah. It's Pixar doing what they do best, right? Taking this, because kind of like how we talked about the Adam Project, right? Outlandish concept, but there's a very human center to it. Pixar's always been good about taking their outlandish concepts that they do, their out there concepts, but it being a metaphor for something very human. Um, it's always been wrapped around a human, you know, a universal theme that us humans can relate to. And yeah, obviously, like, I know one of the things it kind of deals with is a, a, a young woman becoming, you know, a woman and, you know, her growing sexuality and stuff and does tackle that. And I wonder if, like, that's what the title had a lot to do with. Um, like, oh yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's very mature that this film went there. Like, I've never seen a Disney movie talk about that before, and that was no. I was well, very the fact that she there's even a scene where she pulls out a box of Tampax. I'm like, yeah, we're watching on this is a kids movie. But I'm like, no, that I'm glad they're doing that. Like, and like, look, I'm, we're both dudes. Like, I'm no, I don't. I haven't. My puberty was obviously different from the females, but at the same time. Can I relate? Yeah, because we all go through fucking puberty. All of us. We all fucking change in our teenage years. You know, we become adults physically. So it's like the fact that they were able to tackle that kind of thing with a female character, obviously, which I think is honestly just better than doing it with a male character. I don't want to watch, hear about whatever a dude's hormonal changes. I've gone through it. I don't don't need it. They just did that with Luca pretty much. So yeah. So it's like, I don't, yeah, I don't. I'm glad they did it with the female this time. And like you said, the idea of um, a controlling parent taking that idea of like, you know, you, 
being your own person, not being exactly like your parents, especially in this case where she has a very controlling mother who got very much on my fucking nerves about this movie. Oh my God, what a monster. When she drags May to the convenience store and confronts the guy who didn't even know she had a thing for him, that was some psychologically scarring shit. That's a horrible thing to do to your child. Yeah, I'm like, why would you do that? Because you can't fathom that, hey, your daughter's 13. That's usually when you start, sometimes sooner, when puberty hits, like, no, she's getting interested in boys. It was an interesting film. I, it was cute. It was funny. I liked how the boy band played into it and ended up kind of saving the day. Yeah, I thought that was a nice little twist. Uh-huh. I, I loved her friends. Like, they were a good group of, you know, ethnically diverse friends who were just good people. Just, they helped each other. And I, I thought it was really sad that they were her happy place and not her family. Yeah, yeah, I felt really, really bad when she was lying to her mom saying, oh, yeah, I was thinking of you. I was like, no, you're thinking of your friends. Um, yeah. I did like her dad. Like, he just, just that trope of, like, tired of his wife. But, you know, he still remembers how she used to be, so he's still very much in love with her. But he can tell you, like, all the moments we're just like, well, just let her go do that. It's fine. Like, why are you making a big deal about it? <laughs> The you know it's I thought it was interesting that the panda only comes out in the females of this family apparently. Uh, <laughs> the dad knew about that and is like, yeah, I'll marry this woman. Yeah, <laughs> he turns into a fucking Godzilla-sized red panda if she gets super excited. But you know, I'll dodge that bullet. <laughs> like, yeah, I, like, I did like when she first turns into the panda and like the mom's going to go in the bathroom and because of what. He, the dad thinks it's about at first, which is just his daughter's going through that time of her life. You see him in the background backing out. He's like, nope, I'm getting out of this one. I hate that stereotype, though, that dads like don't want to deal with that or they don't know how. I, that's 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 old hat, you know? I mean, I feel like dads of our generation deal with that shit, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, it's generation. I think, yeah, I think but that's because admittedly, you know, I know I always kind of, you know, with all the crazy stuff kind of going on with like gender norms and all that stuff going on nowadays, like what I, it has made it do is that instead of saying like guys should not know about how that stuff works, well, guess what? There's single dads out there. There's stay at home dads, right? Well, the, well, the mom has a really good job and is the one working. So it's like, no, like we live in a world where it's that's stupid to say like guys shouldn't know about that stuff. And shouldn't be able to help their daughters if they can. Obviously, it would be preferable if, like, the mom took care of it because obvi- obviously they can relate. Yeah, obviously. But, but in some cases, you know, there isn't a mom in the picture and dad has to, you know, figure this shit out and be there. And I yeah. admire dads who who take that responsibility. Yeah. So, no, I get I get where you're coming from because, yeah, I would say with our generation, it's, it's becoming more accepted to be like, no, we need, to, we need help in this regard. Um, I do I do think the only thing that's hard for guys in all, of our generation is obviously the idea of like buying, you know, tampons or tampons because I don't know if you've ever seen the wall of that. If you're ever passing through in a store, it is a massive wall. That's the one thing I'd be like, I don't know what to buy. <laughs> I was listening to this comedian. Uh, his name is Chad Daniels. Hilarious guy. 
And he had that problem. Like he was a single dad whose daughter was, you know, about to have her period for the first time. And he didn't want to be ca- caught on a like off guard. So he bought every box. He bought one of every single box they had and then let her kind of go, you know, get what she needed and then returned everything else. <laughs> it's a great bit. I recommend checking that out. It's hilarious. Shouldn't be laughing so hard. It's a really good idea. But well, when he went back to the like to the target with a cart full of tampons, the guy just asked him, like, what happened? Is <laughs> <laughs> <was>, yeah. <laughs> asked him checking out. He's like, no, no, checking in. Checking. <laughs> yeah, I love that guy. I was thinking about that joke the whole movie. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, that'd be the one thing. Like, I'm single. I you know I'm, I don't have any kids. I'm single right now. But if I were to be like a, a, a single dad with a daughter, like that would be the one thing. Like, I would obviously do everything for her to be prepared for that moment. But then I'd be like, ah, oh, shit! I gotta, gotta buy one of these things. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Well, I mean, that's when you. I assume you've got you know women in your life: sister, mother. I'll be calling my friend. sister. Yeah, call a woman you know and ask her. Like, hey. What, what do I do for my daughter? That shouldn't be a taboo question. Like, that's you legitimately wanting to help. Yeah. But like I said, that, that's a society thing that I think, I think is getting broken because I, I have seen a lot of, like, things that, and things that bug me, really, when it comes to, like, the ideal of a man, right? Like, you got to know how to fix a car and shut down your emotions and you don't, you don't need to worry about that womanly stuff. I'm like, oh, fuck yourself. I don't know shit about cars. Yeah. Um, I'm not the best when I express my emotions, but I'm better than most. Uh-huh. I, I don't know anything about cars and I sob during Disney movies. So, you know, hey, look, I don't give a fuck. I don't have any, you know, I got nothing to prove. I don't care. Yeah, I'm happy if I am. <laughs> a piece of entertainment hits me in the right chord. It hits me. I have no issues admitting that. I will to this day, like, I was so glad I was watching Alone on the Boat. When I was watching Yellowstone, it's like this one scene where, like, a character that you grow, co-houses character, you really grow attached to. He is... He gets kind of adopted by Costner's main character in the show from when he was like a little kid. He came from a very abusive home, but you know, never really referred to as son father thing, right? He, he even calls him like Mr. Dunn. And um, there's a point in the show where he gives him one of the, the houses he has on his property. And he, in the letter, Costner calls him son in the letter, and Cole Hauser shows fucking breaking down. And has um, has his wife read the letter again, and he goes, "He called me son," and like, man, it it hit me so hard. <laughs> I was going, "Oh god, oh dude, yeah." I I look forward to that those moments to a film that can bring something out in me. That's a special moment, and I I hate the idea of have I, I ever having to like repress that for some you know outdated idea of you know masculinity that our generation is gladly, you know, getting rid of for the most part. I, yeah, I think it's fucked up that we ever had to do that. Uh, but you know, now we don't, I, yeah. I, I love being able to openly cry when I feel sad because that's how the human body works. Yeah. Look, man, I'm in a theater and I'm I fucking, I was with everyone during Spider-Man No Way Home. I was like, yeah, you guys feel it too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there were some onions in that theater, my friend. <laughs> yeah, 
I heard the sniffling. I was one of the ones sniffling. <laughs> yeah. No shame at all. Anyway, uh, yeah, Turning Red is a cute movie. It's about a, a girl named May who is a Chinese-Canadian. I think this is the first ever animated film I've ever seen Canadian people in. Yeah, Disney, look, Disney's going hard on the, the representation, which is like always like to me good and bad, right? It's good because, okay, yeah, they're, they're trying to give us you know, representation, that's always a good thing. I was like, after a while, like, it's it's almost like, can you try too hard, Disney, to where it comes off disingenuous or, like, you're just doing it to do it? Like, it's, I, I equates the problem I had with, like, them constantly saying everything was, like, the first gay character or something yeah. for, like, the longest time. Mm-hmm. And then by the time we finally got Eternal, so they just, they didn't fucking promote it. It was just a part of the story, and they moved on. I'm like, thank you, that's what I wanted, just... You can put it in there. It can be a part of the story. I don't give a shit. I don't care. I thought it was interesting how hardcore they wanted us to know that she was Canadian. Like, they gave her a t-shirt that was just like the Canadian flag. <laughs> they kept mentioning they're in Toronto. Like, I, <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Yeah. Um, I also thought it was weird. Why does this movie take place in 2002? I don't know. And also, like, I don't look. I'm from Texas, so I could. I don't know. Is there really like a lot of Chinese stuff in Toronto? I don't know. I, I assume every major city has a Chinatown. I, I read that somewhere. A lot of them do. A lot of major cities have a Chinatown. Oh, okay. And, I just. I was even like, do they even have like? Okay. Um, there's you know there's ethnic na- pockets of very random you know neighborhoods in every every place on earth. So I'm sure there's. There's some Chinese people in Canada. I, I don't know. I, you don't hear about Canada. This is the United States. We don't fucking care. Uh, yeah, I think that's the thing. It's like we don't hear about Canada. So I was like, huh? Do they in Canada? I was like, you never hear about Canada though in the fucking United States because they stay out of everything. Yeah, I just know hockey, maple syrup, and friendly. That's all I got with Canada. And I'm not. You know, I don't care if a Canadian hears this. They'll be like, yeah, okay, <laughs> okay, sorry. I don't know. It's it's a weird stereotype we have of the Canadians down here. Um, I once uh, Robin Williams made a great joke about uh, Canada being a really nice apartment above a meth lab. <laughs> there was before we get back to the movie here. There was a nice joke that someone showed me. I didn't even know. Apparently, Robin Williams did a did a bit at a base. He was um, was it the USO? Well, get celebrities to visit, you know, military installations, right? Mm-hmm. It's how they get people like Bruce Willis to visit the military or like, you know, yeah. insert famous countries, right? They got yeah. Robin Williams to do a stand-up at one of the bases. And apparently when he did it, you know, on military bases, we have what we call colors, morning and evening colors is when they play the Pledge of Allegiance. Mm-hmm. Um, when you hear it and you you can, it's a fucking loudspeaker that plays it and you hear it, you got to stop. If you're in uniform, you salute. If not, you stand at attention, right? Apparently no one told him about that. And he's doing his bit and the loudspeaker went off and his this whole military set of people got up, turned around to got to face the direction of the flag and started saying he was just staring going, what the fuck? And then someone come out like, oh, they're doing colors. This is a thing. And, and, and he said afterwards, they turned around and he just goes, you guys scared the shit out of me. <laughs> Because there's nothing more terrifying than watching the military just stand up in unison and, and at attention. 
at the same time. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> oh, that's funny as hell. <laughs> oh, good one. Thank you for that. Welcome. Friend the clip if you can. It's really funny. I was dying. Yeah, I'll look that up. Um, so May comes from a long line of red panda women who, I mean, there's no other way to really say it. Um, when they hit puberty or around 13, uh, they become red pandas because their ancestor made a deal with a, with a God, which is pretty glossed over. I wanted more information on that, but, um, just kind of quickly go over and then that's it. Yeah, so May, when she gets really excited or sad or stressed, emotions run high, she turns into a big red panda. And everyone's yeah. just kind of okay with that. Yeah, like everyone's okay. I did like, it's in the trailer, but it still made me laugh. It was when her mom comes to the school with the box of ta- uh, Tampax, not tampons, those Tampax. Yeah. And she's running, and she runs to the bathroom, that one girl comes out to say, oh my, and she just shoves her <laughs> back into the stall. Yeah, I love mom hiding from in the tree, and like the security guard walks up, was like, "Uh, ma'am, can you sign in in the front?" She's like, "That's my daughter. Like, don't touch me!" Like she like, starts causing a scene out there, and everyone starts looking outside. She's just like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> Her mom is such a complete nutcase. Oh, I'd be terrified if my mom just came to school like that. Jesus! Oh my god. You know what this reminded me a lot of, and I don't think it's an accident. Teen Wolf. You ever see Teen Wolf? Yeah, long time ago. The same plot. Like, uh, I think his name was Scott. I, I don't know. It's been a few months. Michael J. Fox. Whenever he he finds out that he comes from a long line of werewolves, and whenever he gets super excited, he turns into a werewolf. And everyone in school and in town is super cool with that because he's He's awesome as a werewolf. Sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> I love how the whole town's like really cool with her being this. Yeah, they're like, like fucking hiring her for birthday parties. <laughs> it's an interesting concept, but again, a little close to Teen Wolf. But that's okay, you know. It's fine. Pixar's last few films have been reminiscent of other films and i don't usually feel that with pixar in, in in one case one could argue soul was reminiscent of their own film inside out there's a little bit of that i will yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll buy that it's kind of funny because i didn't soul come out after inside out or was, was there another film i'm thinking of no i think it was inside out and then soul well it was inside out was 2015 soul was 2020 there was a lot in between there was a lot in between but still yeah. like yeah. it Reminiscent, and I'm not, I don't mean that as a dick. I haven't seen Salt. I heard it's a wonderful film. Um, it is, but like I, Luke, Luca is the Little Mermaid. I mean, it's that's it, almost the same story. And then, you know, Turning Red's Teen Wolf. Maybe Lightyear is going to be fucking Star Wars. I don't know. <laughs> uh, we'll see. <laughs> uh, I did like the end when mom, her, uh, her necklace breaks and she like super pandas. And attacks the, the dome. She killed a few people. There's no way nobody got a big one there. Yeah, she turned huge. Yeah, 
that was that was great. She ripped open a stadium, like I fully packed stadiums. People died. Oh, people died. <laughs> yeah, I love people. how all her her whole family comes in to save the day. Well, they all have this realization of like, oh, I shouldn't have verbally and mentally abused my kid into being perfect. <laughs> they have to have that moment of like, oh, she has a separate life that isn't mine. Gotcha. Okay. Which I also want, uh, was very reminiscent from what I've heard of Asian households where a lot of, I don't know how it is now, but I know like a lot of that generation of um, Asian from people I've talked to and through the Navy and stuff like first generation Asian parents have come directly from um, whatever country they come from, you know, Vietnam, Korea, wherever. Right. And they come on and they have that expectation they put on their children to do better and be perfect. So um, that seemed, it seemed like they were also tackling that a lot with this being an Asian family. I think the director himself was Asian. Yeah. That's what, see, that tells me that like, yeah, it's, it's a stereotype, but it's a pretty real stereotype. That is something that a lot of, uh, especially Asian American households have to have to deal with sometimes. Uh, but there's, you know, that's in every culture, you know, overbearing parents are all over the place. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, just something some people have to deal with. I, I do not. My parents were I, not overbearing. I luckily got out. I luckily uh, became an adult before possibly how it could be right now. So yeah, we won't go there. My, you know, my dad bailed when I was three and my mom pretty much was just like overcompensating on trying to be mom and dad. So I was like, you know, I got a lot of love as a kid. And now, you know, I was pretty much just set on my own path, given kind of a code of ethics, you know, non-traditionally and found my own way. And here I am. I mean, that's, how, that's how it's supposed to be. I, like, ideally, how you're supposed to raise your kids is that you can't be overbearing like the guy grow up be the own person eventually. Yeah. So you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both. And there you have the facts of life. I hate you so much. <laughs> I will not apologize. But yeah. You got to, you know, I liked, uh, you ever watch Bill Burr's stand up? I don't know why we keep bringing comedians into this episode, but <laughs> it just keeps, it works. Uh, yes, I all of his stand up. He cracks me up. I love his bit where he's talking about like his, his approach to parenting is like, you take what your dad did that worked and you keep that. And you wonder like, if my dad was crazy, what did his, what did his dad do? <laughs> and like, how far back does that shit go? Like if, if my dad never hugged me and his dad's just like, you know, don't let the, like, don't change the baby's diaper, leave him outside till he figures it out. <laughs> like just crazy shit. <laughs> So like that's, that's kind of good advice. You take what your parents did that worked and you use that and you just keep building a kind of a legacy of good parenting. Yeah. As soon as I keep thinking of his joke about adopting the one kid that's like Rambo. Yeah, he scares me too. I want to get an 07, 08 <laughs> recycle. That's so fucked up. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that was good. He's like, he wants to find a sweatshop kid, like find the kid who made this shirt and like rescue him. <laughs> I love Bill Burr. Oh, I wish I gave as little fucks as he does. 
I wish I I wish I could have a, a life where I didn't give a shit about Star Wars and yet I'd become one of the most popular Star Wars characters. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Like I love that. Like people love him. He does a great job as the character. His fucking Wikipedia page has his planet listed as Space Boston and nobody fucking cares. <laughs> he makes fun of Star Wars openly on his stand-up, which is great. <laughs> Yeah, fucking Star Wars. Like he doesn't he doesn't care. And I love that they probably called him. I don't think he auditioned for that. They probably called him and was like, hey Bill, you want to be in Star Wars? <laughs> <They're watching laughs> like, <laughs> That's awesome. Oh boy. Anyway. <laughs> Parenting. Um, but yeah, uh turning red's cute. Is it one of Pixar's masterpieces? I don't think so. I do think that it is doing something similar that uh, that Brave did, but in a much better, well-written way. Yeah, like, this makes way more sense with that story. Yeah, and beautifully animated. I thought it. Oh, it's not it's not like, like the usual eye-popping visuals we like to throw into their movies, but this much more simplistic type of film from them. But yeah. still, dear God, like it's still to this day, like just because of you know, me more nine two and kind of seeing the animation from then and seeing it now, it's just like Jesus Christ. Oh, this it's the subtle stuff, like the way people's clothes move and the way that like the back what's happening in the background and like ref, you know, the light reflecting off of things, like what they can do now is unreal. Yeah, it's it's fucking it's it's wild what they're pulling off nowadays. Um yeah, this was a, this was a good little a film. I I really wonder who the hell pissed off Disney, because this I based well, off how, how I've seen people react to this film, this could have been a real big hit at the fucking box office. It really could have. I've seen a lot of people love this movie. Well, I mean, Lightyear is getting a theatrical release, right? Yes, as far as I know, yes. Well, there you unless go. Disney, well, unless Disney says at the last minute. That's true. Turning Red was getting a theatrical release until like a few months ago. Yeah, I think Luca was supposed to get one until like last minute. So obviously, like you said, that was kind of the peak of the pandemic. That was kind of, I didn't really take that one from them. Well, shit, I hope it works out. But yeah, it did, this this could have been big for them. Uh, but, you know, Disney Plus numbers are rising and that's kind of what they're, where their priorities are right now. So, yeah. Everyone just doesn't. They they, they try to kill one thing because everything's popular. And I'm like, no, I still like the theater assholes. <laughs> yeah, well, that, I will say, as a full grown adult, I don't have to deal with the children when it comes to watching these movies. Or is it? It's always weird to me when it's like, hey, you want to go see Turning Red Theater? No, because I'm almost thirty and I don't want to deal with the children that are going to be there. Those fucking families. <laughs> Didn't you give me shit for saying exactly that last week? No. I feel like you did. Nope. I think that you, I remember that. Nope. All right. Well, I, you fucking did. I know you did. It, no. It's a good point, though. It's a good point. Like it was when I made it last week. I don't recall making that point, nor me saying what you claim I say. So, yes, I did make a good point this week. Yes, I did. Yeah, there it is. Uh, turning red eight out of ten pixar rarely screws up there's only three pixar movies i don't like turning red is not one of them 
Yeah, I give it an eight, eight out of ten. Is it like I said? It's not one like they're oh my god films I walked away from. I put it up there with like films like Cars. Like it's it's I watched it, I enjoyed it, I walked away. You know, like <laughs> yeah, I get you. I just watched all the car uh, the Cars sequels for the first time. Uh, I wanted to knock my Pixar list like completely clean with Turning Red. So I watched Cars two and three, Monsters University, and The Good Dinosaur, and. Uh, cleared them out and i really liked cars two and three i was surprised like fucking hated the good dinosaur but then monster university was good too so yeah good good stuff all around most people hate cars too i i know i get why it is so heavy on larry the cable guy it's it's too much at times but michael kane is an aston martin secret agent car saves it too much too much mater too much mater way too much mater like lightning's barely in the movie, which is weird. That's weird. It's supposed to be Owen Wilson's vehicle, and then they flipped it for Cars Three. Mater is barely in Cars Three, and it's back to a lightning story. So weird. Yeah, very weird. Anyway, Pixar, they rock. Um, any last thoughts on Adam Project or Turning Red? No, uh, I know East Coast is kind of getting hit with fucking last minute winter storm. So if you're looking for something easy to watch and you haven't lost your power depending on where you're at, I think more up northeast is where they're getting really hit with some snow and stuff. Um, these are good films to watch with the family, both of them, honestly. Uh, Adam Project's really fun, ex- exciting, funny, and Tony Red was another solid Pixar film, so... And you know what? Fuck it. Watch the seed with your kids. Show them yeah. how the world really is early. You want to fuck them mentally with some weird alien imagery and aliens having sex with two fe- two of the female characters? Yeah, go ahead. I mean, you know, it's not like you can fuck them up more from there. I mean, start strong early and I mean, you could fuck them up more. For- there is a movie you could fuck them up more with if you wanted to go down that path. I saw it at Half Price Books today and I was like, bad. I hit it. I, I take it off the shelf and I put it somewhere else. <laughs> like, no one should have this. <laughs> yeah. I want to buy up all the copies I can find and burn them in my backyard. I thought that story was going to be like, for a minute, I, I thought I should give it a shot. No! I'm gonna, I, w- I don't want anyone to ever have to watch that movie. I mean, I've seen that movie. I know! And I can tell you're a different person ever since... What's that supposed to mean? You lost the last bit of innocence you had. (laughs) The twinkle in your eye is gone. I've seen hell. I've seen hell. Look the devil in the eye and he told you to fuck off. What? Okay. I don't know what that means, but it's a cool thing to say. (laughs) This this, This has been an odd episode. I think it's because it's late and I took a nap before this. So, and then admittedly, I did like the worst preparation I've ever done for an episode. And that instead of doing any kind of watching on Friday, I found out that Return to Return to Nukem High, aka Volume Two, yes, that's the title, was on Troma now. I was been waiting. I've been dying to see the sequel to Return to Nukem High. So I watched that on Friday instead. Which, hey, if you want to show your kids trauma film, a trauma film, there's that one. Um, 
And then I, I did was the buying. I did the responsible thing. I watched the Adam Project last night, and I watched Turning Red today, and then I waited for an hour for you to get ready. <laughs> nope, I watched I watched the movie, and then when I woke up today, I was like, oh, I need to follow my taxes. So I, I did that first, and I was like, I need to watch these movies. I haven't watched a single one of them, so I literally just one after the other. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. Yep, and then you told me what time I was recording. I went, cool, and then I passed it on my couch. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I get a cool, and then I fucking radio silence, and I'm. I said to myself, like he fucking fell asleep. <laughs> so I just sat here waiting, and I'm like, maybe I have time to do something else. I go to do something else. I immediately get your text of, oh shit, sorry. I'm like, oh fuck, and I come back to my computer. <laughs> so like, thanks so much. <laughs> oh. I love how meta this show gets. This is our weirdest show. <laughs> oh, it is. That's saying something because we have to be on the bed. I know. That show, it's not quite there yet, but that's going to evolve into the weirdest fucking shit. The more movies we start going down the rabbit hole on, it's going to be wild. <sighs> well, thanks for listening, everybody. If you like the show, you can always follow us on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Filmgasm Productions. You can always throw us a message there, feedback or suggestions. Of course, we're not going to honor them on this show. We're going to see whatever comes out. You should know that by now. Uh, you can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com for same thing, suggestions for all four shows, all three of them. And uh, if you want to support the show on Anchor, you can click on support this podcast on your podcast provider. You can check out the website where we've got all of our shows and re- reviews, articles, trailers for upcoming shit, all sorts of stuff. So there you go. Hope you hope you like what we do. We certainly do. Uh, next week we got a few movies to choose for the show. In theaters we got Ty West's new horror flick X, and Graham Moore's crime drama The Outfit, and on Hulu we've got Adrian Lin's erotic thriller Deep Water. So options, options. What will we watch? Uh, tune in next week to find out. But spoiler alert: X. Oh yeah. I've been looking forward to this one since the trailer just dropped out of fucking nowhere. Yeah, I'm really hoping it plays near me. I don't want to have to go out of my way to see it, but I'm pretty confident my local theaters will grab it. Uh, Don't miss The Sacrament on Wednesday's Filmgasm, going back into Ty West's catalog for a freaky cult movie, which I'm looking forward to watching. Uh, Strange Land on Friday's Beyond the Bad, which uh, I know you and Josh had a blast doing. any film written by D. Snyder is bound to be a fucking wacky film. It's a wacky film, but it's it's good wacky. Nice. And uh, The Wizard of Oz on Oscar Sunday, going bona fide classic this week. Uh, can't wait. Have a great week, everybody. Keep watching movies. <laughs>